This episode is dedicated to the memory of Brian N. Benton. Gone, but not forgotten. Please do not listen to this podcast while driving a car or a bus. Only listen when you can focus on your well-being and personal growth. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Got It by Bob. I'm your host, Bob. Every week, I select not one, but two non-sexual fantasies submitted by our fans, and I bring those fantasies to life in the form of a guided meditation. If you would like to submit your fantasy for consideration, please visit our website at guidedbybob.com. Click on the fantasy submission link. If your fantasy is chosen, you will win a free Guided by Bob t-shirt and a snack of your choice. We're very excited to have our friend, actor and comedian, Steve Agee on the show today. Steve is gonna swing by the lounge later to do today's guest meditation. Stick around and check it out. What time is it? It's snack Snack time. time. Today's snack is a bag of original Skittles, and today's beverage is a cherry Coke. Keeping it classic today. As always, we will donate a portion of our proceeds to Project Lime. Project Lime is a nonprofit organization that helps fund research and education for Lyme disease. For more information on how you can help, please visit projectlime.org. And that's all there is to it. I'm gonna make my way over to the patent lounge and start today's meditation. I will see you there. Please follow us on Twitter at Guided by Bob Pod and on Instagram and Facebook at Guided by Bob Podcast. You can donate to the show at patreon.com. All donations will give you access to exclusive Guided by Bob content. Hey, friends, welcome to the Patent Lounge. Please take a deep breath and leave your worries outside. As always, these meditations are for entertainment purposes only and should never be taken seriously, no matter how lifelike they may seem. Today's fantasy is brought to you by Cliff from Boise, Idaho. He writes, Dear Bob, your podcast is in my top 10. Thanks for the laughs and chill vibes. 
my fantasy is to go to Jurassic Park with Jeff Goldblum. Jurassic Park is my favorite movie of all time. And who better to visit with than Dr. Malcolm himself? If you can make this fantasy come true, I would freak out. Sincerely, Cliff. Well, Cliff, today is your lucky day. Sit back, relax, and lend me your ears. Your fantasy starts now. It's a beautiful day at Jurassic Park. It's hardly cloudy. You sit alone in the back of one of the Ford Explorer SUVs. You wait patiently for your chance to tour the dinosaur wonderland. Passenger door swings open and a man slides into the seat. It's Jeff Goldblum. He throws a tic tac in his mouth and offers you one. You take it and chew on the small piece of candy. Jeff smacks his lips and pushes his glasses back on his nose. He turns to you and says, the first time I was here, things didn't go so good. I was with a bunch of scientists and nobody knew anything about dinosaurs except for me. They all ran off or got eaten alive, but I stayed behind and helped a bunch of kids. Can't remember how many kids' lives I saved, maybe seven or eight. I outran a T-Rex even saving a triceratops. It was something he was eating that was making him sick. But I figured it out just in time. Maybe Goldblum thinks that you have never seen the movie Jurassic Park. Jeff buckles his seatbelt as the Ford Explorer takes off. It hits you like a ton of bricks that you are riding into a dinosaur sanctuary armed with a pack of Tic Tacs and a man 
who is exhibiting sociopathic behavior. <laughs> you pull up in front of the first dinosaur exhibit. It's not the T-Rex or the raptors. It's the little one that spits shit on your face before it eats you. Jeff rolls the window down and dumps the Tic Tacs onto the ground, leaving a trail of candy. He looks at you with confidence and says, Dinosaurs love Tic Tacs. You ponder this thought while you unbuckle your seatbelt. Just in case you need to run away from dinosaurs or from Jeff Goldblum. Disappointed that the dinosaur doesn't come out, Goldblum leans into your face. He says, they haven't fixed this exhibit since the first time I was here. I'm starting to think that they don't even have one. In a flash, the Dilophosaurus rockets out of the nearby tree line. He runs right past the line of Tic Tacs, jumps over the fence, and flies right into Jeff Goldblum's open window. The dinosaur is too big and gets stuck. The dinosaur spits a wad of his venom into the face of Jeff Goldblum. Gross. Jeff finally pushes the dinosaur out of the Ford Explorer. He rolls the window up and looks at you. He's got a big, black, gooey wad of dinosaur venom across his face. He looks at you and says, Don't worry. They spit this stuff on you as a sign friendship. It just means that he has accepted me as his equal. You don't have the heart to tell Jeff Goldblum that he will soon lose his vision, become paralyzed, and probably die. The explorer 
stops in front of the T-Rex exhibit. They still haven't repaired the busted fence cables from the storm in the original movie. This seems like a safety hazard, but you roll with it. Goldblum shimmies his way to the front seat. He says, I don't know why, but I'm kind of tired all of a sudden. You watch Goldblum struggle to guide himself. 20 seconds later, the ground starts to shake. Jeff rubs his eyes and says, What's that? You say, I'm pretty sure it's a T-Rex. Goldblum responds, Cool. They're my favorite. You say, It's right outside my window. Goldblum perks up and says, Okay. His vision is based on heat sensors. So as long as we're inside the vehicle, he probably won't know we're here. The T-Rex pushes the car up against the concrete embankment. You say with confidence, I'm pretty sure we're getting ready to die. Goldblum says, ah, that's part of the fun of this place. Isn't it great? Here, give the T-Rex some Tic Tacs and he'll leave us be. The T-Rex busts his face through your window and chomps at your head. The T-Rex lets out a monstrous roar. You scream and toss the box of Tic Tacs into the raging dinosaur's mouth. The T-Rex bites down on the offering of hard candies and says, Mmm, Tic Tacs, thank you very much. He pulls his head out of the vehicle and walks back towards the jungle. You are shocked. Goldblum says, Aha! I told you 
The Tic Tacs would get him. I wish I could have seen the look on your face. You help Jeff Goldblum exit the vehicle. You will now move forward on foot. Jeff puts his arm around you and says, I know you might be scared. Don't be. I know everything there is to know about dinosaurs. And also, I can barely feel my arms and legs. Goldblum trips over the electric vehicle rail and falls on his face. He says, Oh, shit. Is that a raptor? You say, No, Jeff. It's just the electric car rail. You hear something nearby in the bushes. Goldblum says, That's a raptor party. A velociraptor pokes his head out of the brush on the other side of the path. He blinks at you and smiles. Two more raptors appear beside him. Goldblum tugs on your arm. He confidently whispers, in your direction. It's okay. Their vision is based on movement. So just don't move and they can't see us. You make a choice. And that choice is to run. You find safety behind a tree. Jeff Goldblum doesn't realize that you left him out there to die by himself. He whispers in what he thinks is your direction. He says, See? It's really not that hard. Just sit and wait for them to leave. Goldblum, still numb from the venom on his face, sits patiently while the raptors snack on his limbs. He looks again in what he thinks is your direction and says, You know, I think one of the raptors is biting me. The raptor rips off a piece of Jeff Goldblum's 
Lower Lang, when the T-Rex appears from nowhere. He crunches down on the smaller dinosaur and tosses him limply to the side. The other raptors dart off into the jungle. The T-Rex looks down on Jeff Goldblum. You hustle back out to his side. Jeff Goldblum looks towards you and says, Did they leave? See, I told you all we had to do was sit still. I think one of them might have bitten me, though. I'm not sure. My leg feels a bit lighter, and I'm losing my hearing, I think. The T-Rex looks down at you and says, You got any more of those Tic Tacs? You shake your head and say, no. We're all out of Tic Tacs. Does that mean you are going to eat us? The T-Rex replies, yes, but I'm not that hungry. So I'll just eat one of you. Who is it gonna be? Goldblum struggles to hear the conversation. He says, Say what? You pick up two small sticks from the ground and lean down to Jeff's ear. You say, Loudly. We're gonna play a game. Choose a stick, and I will tell you if you win or lose. Jeff says, I love games, especially cornhole. He struggles to pick a stick with his one remaining arm. He finally succeeds. It's the longer one. You have lost. Jeff says, did I win? You look up at the T-Rex. The dinosaur shrugs. You say, no, Jeff. I'm afraid you lost. You take off running further down the trail. The T-Rex hovers over Jeff Goldblum as you disappear 
around the bend. You can hear Jeff shout, what did I lose? (laughs) As a steady rain starts to fall, you feel bad about lying to Jeff Goldblum. Then you see a triceratops on the side of the road. He's always been your favorite dinosaur. You go over and pet him. Jurassic Park is a magical place. I'd like to welcome our good friend Steve Agee to the show. You probably know Steve from the Sarah Silverman show, as well as his recurring roles as Isaac on Superstore and as Outside Dave on the hit show New Girl. He currently plays John Economus on the series Peacemaker, which is on HBO Max. Steve is also an incredible photographer. I encourage you to check out his work. Thanks for joining us today, Steve. The floor is yours. Hey, everybody. Thanks, Bob, for having me as a guest on your show. I'm very honored and glad I could find the time. I just got back from Colorado where I went to a wedding on Kevin Costner's ranch, believe it or not. It's one of the most beautiful ceremonies I've ever seen in one of the most majestic settings I've ever seen. And uh, I'm glad I could make it back in time and You know what, that's neither here nor there. We're here to meditate, right? So let's jump back over to the Patton Lounge and start today's guest meditation. Today's guest fantasy is brought to you by Jody from Baltimore, Maryland. Jody writes, Dear Bob, your podcast is growing on me. Now I can almost get through a whole episode. Anyway, my fantasy would be to go to the horse track with Nostradamus. I've always enjoyed betting horses, but it would be nice to bring in a ringer and really stick it to the bookies. If you could make that come true, I promise to share some of my profits. Thanks. Signed, Jody. Well, Jody, today is your lucky day. Sit back, relax, and lend me your ears. Your fantasy starts now. 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 
You stand outside the fence at the Pimlico Racetrack in Baltimore, Maryland, the historic site of the Preakness. The weather is amazing. It's mostly sunny. You've lost your weight in silver here over the years, betting and losing your butt. But today feels different. Today you are betting horses with Nostradamus. Nostradamus arrives out front on a white horse. He's wearing a yellow t-shirt that reads, Wu-Tang is for the children. He hops off and surveys his surrounding. Nostradamus claps his noble hands and his horse takes off. He walks with a bit of a wobble like he just got off a boat. You rush over and say, Hey Nostradamus, thanks for coming to meet me. Are you ready to make some money? Nostradamus stares off into the distance. He grabs you by the shoulder as if he just had a vision. He says, Animals will run fast. Prophets will rain from the sky. Birds will sing. Dogs will fly. Pizza rolls will burn your mouth. You have no idea what the fuck Nostradamus is talking about. After Nostradamus takes forever using the bathroom, you head down to see the horses. The crowd smells like a beautiful mix of peanuts, popcorn, and horse shit. You lead Nostradamus's wobbly ass over to the rail. You hand him a list of the horses. He looks down at it. He turns it sideways and then upside down. You take the list away from him and say, all I need is for you to tell me the number of the horse that's going to win, okay? Nostradamus looks quickly over his shoulder like a frightened squirrel. He starts to walk back up the steps. You grab him and turn him around and bring him back to the rail and say, The horses. You see the horses? They're going to race. I need to know which number horse will win, okay? Nostradamus squints his eyes together and suddenly exclaims, This is one race. It is in the fourth quadrant. You reply and you say, I don't give a shit about your quadrant. What horse will win? Nostradamus says, Clouds will roll in. Faces will appear. When it's over, the horse with fire in his name will be the victor. Your eyes light up as you look down at the list. The number six horse's name is Flame Out. You point and say, So, the six horse? Nostradamus says, Nostradamus needs a snow cone. You buy Nostradamus a rainbow snow cone and hustle over to the booking window. You put a wad of cash on the counter and say to the teller, Thousand bucks on Flame Out to win. The teller is a grizzled old lady. She looks at you and says, Thousand dollars on a flame out to win at 32 to 1 odds. She swipes up your cash and hands you a ticket. You look at Nostradamus as the colorful sugary syrup runs down his chin. You grab him by the shoulder and usher him back down the steps to get a decent seat. The trainers cram the horses into the starting gate. The sounds of anticipation echo through the crowd. The horn sounds and the gates open. They're off. 
flame out, the number six horse shoots out of the gate like a rocket ship. The degenerate gambler in you feels that sweet rush of excitement and desperation as you watch your horse run out to an early lead. He runs like a lightning bolt around the first turn, and then he makes a beeline over to the far rail. Flame out slows down to a walk and eventually stops completely. Flame out lies down on the edge of the racetrack and makes himself comfortable. It appears as if Flame Out has decided to take a nap during the second leg of this all-important race. Nap or no nap, Flame Out has just cost you $1,000. One thought and one thought only crosses your mind. And that thought is, God damn it, Nostradamus. That familiar feeling of failure drapes over top of you like an old smelly blanket. You look at Nostradamus. He's still cheering the other horses on, oblivious to your plight. What's left of his rainbow snow cone has dripped all over the front of his Wu-Tang shirt. <laughs> What's left of his rainbow snow cone has dripped all over the front of his Wu-Tang shirt. You grab Nostradamus by the arm. You pull him back up to the concourse. You find a quiet little spot next to the hot dog stand to have a chat with him. You say, do you know how horse racing works? Our horse needs to cross the finish line first. Does that make sense? Did you get your quatrains mixed up? Nostradamus looks at you the same way your golden retriever does when you explain to him that he's not supposed to get on the couch. Then a smile forms on his face and he starts to laugh. You try to join him sharp pain of your loss still fresh in your mind. He looks at you and says, Snow will fall. Pebbles will settle at the bottom of the sea. Lights will perish under the breast of the You have no idea how this relates to anything you just said, but for some reason, it totally restores your faith in Nostradamus. You ask Nostradamus, who do you like in the second race? You point to the list of horses in the second race. Nostradamus looks at you with a serious face and says, This seems like a lot of sugar considering the stains from his snow cone haven't even dried yet. But you don't want to look a gift horse in the mouth. You grab Nostradamus by the shoulder and head for the nearest cotton candy stand. You purchase a big bag of blue, sugar-infused goodness for Nostradamus, and you buy a beer for yourself. You need a drink. You lead Nostradamus back down to the track and up to the rail once again. He crams a wad of blue cotton candy into his mouth. He wipes his sticky fingers on the shoulder of your new Tommy Hilfiger shirt. It's too late to worry about such a minor clothing issue. There will be another sale at Abercrombie and Fitch soon enough. You are laser focused on the task at hand. You put your arm around Nostradamus and try to appeal to his humanity. You look into his sugar-crazed eyes and say, Look, I'm going to lay all of my cards out on the table. I need to hit the trifecta in the second race, or I'm going to lose my marriage and my house. Do you understand? 
Nostradamus' face goes blank. Lightning strikes in the distance. Thunder rolls. His pupils grow wide as he has another vision. He stares right through you and mumbles. Grateful days are ahead. Streets made of gold. Captain Kirk. Mr. Spock. Battlestar Galactica. You grab Nostradamus with both hands and shake him furiously. Nostradamus quickly gets back on message. He says, The sunset will tell me all we need. The orange, blue, and purple caps will read. One by one, they will finish their deed. You say, Orange, blue, and purple caps? Are you talking about the jockeys? You look out over the field and stare down the jockeys. You find the jockeys with the orange, blue, and purple uniforms and then jot down which horses they are riding in the second race. You've got your trifecta. You look at Nostradamus and say, Orange, blue, and purple. In that order? Nostradamus looks at you and says, Nostradamus needs ice cream. You roll your eyes and grab Nostradamus by the shoulder. You lead him in your pair of stained shirts, up the steps, and back to the concourse. You toss down your massive wager at the betting window. The old lady there says, $10,000 on the long shot trifecta. Are you feeling okay? You nod your head and she hands you your ticket. Nostradamus is right beside you. He licks the size of his oversized ice cream cone, chocolate with multicolored sprinkles, and a few out of place gummy bears on the top. You've never been more confident. You guide Nostradamus back to the seats as the horses get into place for the second race. You are either going to be rich or homeless. Let's find out. The horn sounds and the second race begins. You grab Nostradamus' sticky shirt and drag him down to the rail. Front row seat as the herd of horses approaches in the distance. Nostradamus crams the last of the ice cream into his mouth. In a sugar-filled rush, he leaps over the rail and runs out onto the horse trap. One thought crosses your mind, and that thought is, God damn it, Nostradamus. The thundering herd of horses approaches at lightning speed. The leading horse locks eyes with Nostradamus as he enters the first turn. The horse sees Nostradamus' t-shirt. The animal freaks out and shouts, the horse moves to avoid Nostradamus and slams into another horse. The animals all crash into a big pile out on the track. All of the race participants are completely wiped out, except for three of them. Their jockeys wear orange, blue, and purple. Holy shit. You might win this thing. A policeman shoots Nostradamus in the leg. Your horses cross the finish line in the correct order. As Nostradamus squeals and falls headfirst onto his sticky face. You're a rich man. Nostradamus is bleeding profusely and is now in police custody. One thought crosses your mind, and that thought is, I love you, Nostradamus. Please don't die. You head back to the concourse to collect your winnings, and of course, some bail money for your new BFF. Best day ever.
fuck it, nailed it. And that's all we have for today. Please join us next week for a new episode. Until then, to all of my fellow Lyme warriors out there and anyone who is struggling with chronic illness, I see you. I believe you. I believe in you. Be good.